Let me be the last to say to you, Happy New Year. I mean, what's really new? And more important, what's next? What's after this version of COVID? What's after January 6th? What's after turmoil in the church? What's after fires that burn the land and floods that wash us away? What's after living your whole life online? I need to tell you, this is one of those sermons that won't be three points in a poem because it's the new year. And and we're reminded that people of faith believe that life is a story that unfolds, that we're beginning a new chapter here. Great stories have memorable beginnings. I'll give you a beginning. You tell me what the next story is. Long ago in a galaxy far away. Right. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Right. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And now, let me give you one more. In the beginning, God created. What's next? You see, in the great stories, we see ourselves inside the story. It draws us in. I saw that in a fresh way, this Christmas vacation, one of our highlights was that Laura and I took our daughter Katie to the Michelangelo Sistine Chapel exhibit. I hope you had a chance. All of us have been to Rome a couple times, but even there, even if you get the chance to lie on the ground of the chapel and look up, it's 60 feet above you. But here, it's right in front of your face. And you read it in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, so there was evening and there was morning. And that was the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water. And it was so. And there was evening and there was morning, a second day. And day after day, the story unfolds. And last, the most famous verse and the most famous image of all that Michelangelo created, it says, then God said, let us make humanity in our image in our likeness, so that they may have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Before we get to the text, I want to just offer you one staple of biblical interpretation. It's simple. Look for repetition. In the Bible, repetition is emphasis. And six times in this two-verse passage... There's one word repeated. In 18, in 21, in 25, in 31, you see the word good. In verse 31, it says, very good. So we ought to start with the idea that this is meant to be very good for you and for me. I'd like to cover four themes in the series that we're going to experience this. You were made for this series. And it begins with the idea that it's meant to be good. 
In chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created. So the first theme is that there is a God. Not so fast, I know. Over 90% of people in every culture around the world affirm that there is a supreme being. And out of that affirmation, that idea that there is a God, there is a sense of meaning different than if it's just chance. There's a sense of direction, not necessarily progress, but direction. We are going somewhere. And those of us who believe in a personal God believe in motive, that God has a plan, not to the events that unfold, that's often the way we mess it up, but to the impact that those events will have on our very souls. Paul says in the book of Romans, what can be known about God is plain to all, because God has made it clear. Since the creation of the world, Genesis 1 again, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without an excuse. There is a God. So the first idea is that there is a God. The second builds on that, that God is the creator of the world. The world has been put together deliberately with an order and a plan. It's important to realize that the Bible is not a science book, nor is it a fable. For their day, the Israelites received a new revelation. God revealed the way to understand the world and the God who stood behind it. The third image that I get out of this passage is that God spoke a word and it came to be. God spoke and it was so. That's a theme in creation, and it's also what is seen as an echo in Scripture. Sometimes this story is so powerful, it echoes in different ways throughout Scripture. So in the Gospel of John, you hear this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Everything that has been made has been made by the Word, an echo. God creates light in Genesis. And then Jesus says, I am the light of the world, which means that some people are still living in the darkness. So look for the evidence of God's word. The third uh, of these images for me is that humanity is made in the image of God, what is called the imago dei, Let us make man in our own likeness, says God. Which means at the very least that from conception through death, all of humankind has both worth beyond measure and a destiny that is eternal. That's picked up again in verse 26. Let us create humans in our own image so that they may have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over all the creatures that move along the ground. This image of God inside us means that humans have a destiny. 
That is the dominion, the dominus, the stewardship of the planet. Not to own it, but to be the gardeners that God has put us in charge of. This is the heart of our series. You were created by God in the image of God. You were made for this. And just the way that Genesis, as a good story, sucks you in, it's supposed to leave you with questions. It doesn't give you all the details. So if this story is about you, the first question is, what comes next? Well, next week, Laura is going to talk about what does it mean to be the Imago Dei. If God made you, you are not only valued, you have agency. That is, agency, you can choose what to do, and what you choose makes a difference. And then in two weeks, what's next will be another echo of this creation story. The Apostle Paul is going to say, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, prepared before the foundation of the world for us to do. So you have a destiny, and you have work that only you can do from the creation of the world in Genesis. You are of infinite value. And there is work that can only be done by you. But that leads to the second question for me. How in the heck did we get from that great beginning to wherever we are today? We'll spend a month talking about that, but let me leave you with one hint. It's out of verse 3 here. It says, God said, let there be light. And the Jesus echo, I am the light of the world. We see the world correctly only with the light that Jesus gives us. Christ is the light of the world. He gives light for the heart, light for the eyes, light for the hands, and we need a test of our eyes. The other day I'm looking at the screen and they have one of these commercials where they are texting and you can never read what they're texting. I don't know about you, but my wife can read it all the way across the room and says, have you had your eyes tested lately? I need that. But I need to ask you, has, has God tested your eyes lately? I believe you need the light of Christ to see. So God said, let there be light. And you need eyes to see the world the way that Jesus does. Or are you still living in the old light, living in the shadows? Some people actually prefer the shadows because when you look at other people, you often don't want to see them the way that Jesus sees them. What does Jesus see as he looks around this room, around your world? Who would you see through the eyes of Jesus? C.S. Lewis was often described as very confident. But after he started to follow Jesus, he was rarely arrogant with other people. His view of who human beings are changed, and he said, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, and civilizations, these are, more, these are mortal. Their life to ours is the life of a gnat. But it is immortals with whom we joke, work with, marry, snub, and exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. 
Lewis goes on and says, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw them now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror that you'd only meet now in your nightmares. Then Lewis ends with the kicker. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. Some people who find the light of Jesus don't turn it on. Some sit around in the light the same way they sat around in the dark. They're hiding their light. They're putting their light under a bushel basket. But those who find and follow Jesus have light for their eyes, light for their hearts, and light for their hands to do the work of the king. You see, now, with that light that affects your soul, and you see things and people that no one else will see. So let me leave you with this. Who do you need to see the way that Jesus sees today? That's a great place to start the next chapter of the story. For now, let's pray together, together. With our eyes open, let's pray together the words of the psalmist, 139. I'll begin, and then you respond in the bold print. Let's pray. You know all about me, Lord. You know who I am. You know when I sit down and when I get up, you read my mind wherever I am. And together, you go behind and before me, and you put your hands over me. How could I ever be lost to your Spirit's presence? If I go up to heaven, there you are. Even down in the pit, you're always around. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the other side of the world, even there your hand will guide me, your grip will hold me tight. If I say it's so dark I'm lost from God, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is like light to you. Together, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days meant for me were written in your book before one of them started. And when I wake up, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know when I am afraid. Remove my sin and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.